Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up in today's episode, we've reached a PLD breaking point. How should the Jets handle the disgruntled Dubois? And what this means for the Jets franchise moving forward. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it. Another day here in Winnipeg, the worst city on earth, according to everyone in the NHL. All right, another person wants uh, just another day part for the course here in Winnipeg. Would have been nice. Would have been nice. It, it will be nice at some point. I, I hope and imagine at some point this will happen. But it would be nice to have a few summers where... We don't have to have another discussion on, on the latest high-profile Winnipeg Jets player that wants out of the city. Should have known when things were too quiet last year that we were due for this crap yet again. But here we are once again. This time, though, it's Pierre-Luc Dubois that is the latest of a long list of players that want out. PLD no longer stands for Pierre-Luc Dubois. It stands for one pretty lousy dude. I spent about 35 minutes coming up with that one. It's the best that I could do. If you could do better, please, please let me know. would love to hear it. Uh, but that's the latest conundrum that Kevin Chevalier and the Winnipeg Jets are facing right now. It is once again staring down the barrel of a gun, trying to make the best out of a pretty awful situation, trying to extract value where there seemingly is none to be had right now. And I will say this before we officially get into how the Winnipeg Jets should handle this and, and what needs to be done and, and what the what the correct path forward is going to be here as the Jets try to deal with Dubois' demands right now. But despite a lot of flaws with this roster, Despite a lot of flaws, in my opinion, with this offseason approach so far, and a number of other things you could point to, I don't know how many more GMs I would rather have in this situation than Kevin Sheveldayoff. Right? Like, he's got his detractors, there's no doubt about it. And I, like I mentioned, have not been a big fan of the lack of creativity or splashes made so far this offseason. But at the very least, the Jets can rest easy knowing They've got a GM that isn't going to be pushed around in situations like this. And he's not going to be pushed around even though he finds themselves in this situation time and time again. Really through no fault 
of his or the team's own. It's it's just kind of the, the cold, hard reality of being in the smallest market, having to deal with going up against the New Yorks, the LAs, the Chicagos, the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But Chevy, at the very least, has shown that when thrust into a seemingly no-win situation by players wanting out for various reasons, he's been able to come on top pretty much 10 times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10. You might not hire a GM for his ability to get out of sticky situations like this, but it's good to know that the guy you got in charge of your team has shown that he's more than capable of putting the club in a good spot despite everything seemingly stacked up against them. So that part of it, surprisingly confident that Kevin Chevalier is going to pull a rabbit out of his hat and, and put the Winnipeg Jets in a good spot despite the greasy job that Pierre-Luc Dubois and Pat Brisson have pulled off so far this offseason, really pushing the Jets into a corner and trying to take away as much leverage as they have as possible. So let's get right into it here. Pierre-Luc Dubois... Not even necessarily wants out of Winnipeg because he hates Winnipeg. Maybe more so it's, I want to go to Montreal and I want to sign there and I'm only going to ink a long-term extension at this point with the Montreal Canadiens. That's the demand from Dubois' camp right now. No interest in a long-term deal. I'm going to be out the door in two years and there's not really a whole lot that you can do about that. So how do the Winnipeg Jets handle this situation? Now, the first part of this for me is actually really simple. And if I'm Kevin Shevoldayov, it's just this. I could give a rat's ass what Pierre-Luc Dubois and his camp want. Last I checked, a 24-year-old that hasn't cracked 70 points and his agent don't run hockey teams. They don't make the decisions for you. So you have very limited options here if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois. And if I'm Kevin Chevalier, it's quite simply this. If you sign a contract, you're going to bust your ass while you're out there on the ice, while you're under contract with this team, or I'm going to move you to the spot that I think is the best location and the best package to help out the Winnipeg Jets. Not to help out Pierre-Luc Dubois, but to help out the Winnipeg Jets first and foremost. End of discussion. That's it. If, if Montreal just so happens to put forth the best package then it's a win-win for everybody. But if that's not the case, tough shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you don't make the calls here, right? And this is where having the experience of somebody like Kevin Chevalier, I think, is going to pay off in a big, big way for the Jets because Evander Kane's done the same thing. Jacob Truba's done the same thing. Jack Roslevic. Maybe even Patrick Liney, right? This isn't... This isn't the first rodeo for Kevin Shivaldeoff when it comes to disgruntled players wanting out. And I think he's shown that he's not going to get pushed around too easily here. So that's that's step number one for me is you go to Montreal when I say you go to Montreal. You're not the one telling me that I'm going to be going to Montreal and nowhere else right now. End of story. And I feel confident that Chevy's going to be able to pull that off. Now, the only way to me that this whole scenario ends with Pierre-Luc Dubois wearing the blue blanc et rouge this upcoming season is in only one of two situations. And that's if the Montreal Canadiens decide to trade either Nick Suzuki or next year's first round pick to the Winnipeg Jets. 
if any trade if any offer sheet does not include one of those two assets then it's no deal it's that simple we'll hold on to him we'll see if somebody else wants to put together a better package or we'll just have him be our 1a 1b centerman for this season play him 20 minutes a night and Hopefully he improves on his 60-some-odd points last year. There's no reason, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, in this situation to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois for spare parts. To, to uh, Some of the names, Josh Anderson, Christian Dvorak. That does diddly squad for the Winnipeg Jets, both this season and moving forward in the future. That, that just does more of a favor for the Montreal Canadiens here because they're able to shed some salary and get a quality piece back for somebody like that. So that I I really don't anticipate that even being an option. Anderson Dvorak and something else being put together here as part of a as part of a package to acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois to me, it's either Suzuki, it's either the first round pick, anything other than that, you could talk to him in 2 years. And I don't think Montreal would be willing to give up either one of those assets either. So ultimately, I I don't see a deal coming to fruition anytime soon. I think if you're Montreal right now, you're entering the rebuild portion of, of where they're at right now. Why why wouldn't you just wait two years and give up zero assets and sign him for free as a free agent a couple years down the road? I, I just I can't envision them giving up either one of those premier, premier assets for a guy that hasn't shown that he's, you know, despite some immense potential. Hasn't shown that he is a, no doubt about it, franchise building block number one center just yet. So the reality is, Dubois is not going to Montreal anytime soon, in my opinion. I mean, the best possible option, honestly, for the Winnipeg Jets would be if Montreal threw together an offer sheet, which they seem to be so fond of doing, an offer sheet towards Pierre-Luc Dubois, and the Jets can either match it and have him in the fold long term, or they take the picks that come along with that, and those picks automatically would include Montreal's first rounder for this upcoming season, maybe another first rounder on top of that, which, by the way, are not lottery protected, so Montreal could make a move like that, finish dead last, and the Winnipeg Jets get a pretty juicy ticket in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, right? So, hey, that would be best-case scenario. It would be beyond insanity. For the Canadian to go down that route. But I know some people have mentioned the offer sheet and, and the potential pitfalls that come with that. If it comes from Montreal, give me that first round pick, baby. We'll clear some salary and, and we'll figure things out after that. But I, I just can't anticipate Montreal being that stupid. To, to me, it's either going to be the trade route, which is very, very unlikely. Or they're just going to have to to play the waiting game and see what uh, see what the plan is, is in 2024-2025. Uh, now... Just because Dubois has made his intentions clear does not mean, for me, that he is not going to be wearing a Jets jersey this upcoming season. In fact, that is by far the most likely scenario here. And that's even with the potential drama and, and turmoil it could create in an already fractured locker room. But let's face it, this Jets team has experience in dealing with that in the past, and I, I, I don't, I, to me, that's the least issue. Uh, that, that's by far the lowest on the totem pole of things the Winnipeg Jets have to worry about here. And, and to me, this is, quite honestly, the best way to go about their business, if you are the Winnipeg Jets, is to sign a short-term deal and have Pierre-Luc Dubois hit the ice as either your number one or your number two sediment for this upcoming season. And, and really... 
the best examples we have are, are some pretty recent ones. And of course, one that is very familiar to a lot of Jets fans here. But Jacob Truba infamously wanted to hold out and, and not join the team for the regular season, for training camp, for all that. And, and there were, I think, even angrier than people are with Dubois right now. People were way more than that with, with Jacob Truba. And Chevy did the slow play on that one. And with only one year left on his deal, ended up making what ultimately proved to be one of his savvier moves as GM of this team. But even more so than Pionk and Hanela for Truba, to me, the most perfect comparable in this situation is what we saw a few years back with the Colorado Avalanche and Matt Duchesne. Because, of course, Duchesne made it very, very public that his time in Colorado was coming to an end, demanded the trade, wanted out as soon as possible. And I vividly remember, you know, both myself and most of the hockey world at that time being insanely wrong about how Joe Sackick was doing a poor job of handling the Duchesne situation, right? I, I mean, the, the majority of people were, were kind of thinking what I was at the time in that, you know what, if he wants out, you got to move him and you got to do it quickly here because you're running out of leverage and you're eventually going to be forced into giving him up for nothing. But what did Joe Sackick do in that situation? He waited and waited and waited. You get the picture as I faded and out. He wasn't going to be forced into making a move just for the sake of making a move. He waited until that perfect deal came through. And then he pulled the trigger and could make the case was maybe the move that won them a Stanley Cup this past year, right? Like, hitting an absolute home run on that trade. Now, not the most perfect comparable because Dubois has one destination in mind. Duchesne was more of a, I, I just want out of this location sort of a trade request. But it's a really, really good reminder that emotions are going to run super high from the fan base, from management, all that is extremely important to maintain a cool head here take a deep breath and realize that as dire and as unfortunate as these circumstances are right now the Winnipeg Jets are in absolutely no rush and they are not being forced by gunpoint to make a PLD trade right now at this moment to me there's a trade that could hey it, it could happen before this regular season gets underway. It could happen in November or December. If a contender out there, say, loses a player or two to injury and they get a little bit desperate and maybe they like the way that Dubois is playing, the style, and they want to make a move, maybe it's at the trade deadline as well. Maybe it's at the end of next regular... Whatever it is, though, as of right now, there's no major rush to make a move if you're Kevin off here. That will change once the calendar flips into 2023 but at the moment here it sucks and it's not as exciting but the prudent move 100% is to wait on this if a team makes you a home run offer certainly go ahead and pull the trigger but don't get pushed around and bossed again by a 24 year old and his superstar agent just because they're making some demands in the middle of July right now Chevy does hold all the cards here and I don't think he's going to be folding anytime soon. Push this one into the river, and then we'll see if it's time to push all your chips in and make a move at that point. Plus, 
you know, there has been concern about people. Is Pierre-Luc Dubois going to do the same thing he did in Columbus, right? Where he pulled the shoot. Like, is he is he just going to flat out not try or not play if he doesn't get his way? I really don't envision that coming to fruition. I, I, I think Dubois realized that he did make a mistake in Columbus. I think he regretted how that played out. And I I really honestly believe that he, he was given the opportunity for a do-over there, that he wouldn't have done that no-show shift that he did. He would have just waited, you know, maybe in a different fashion for, for a trade out of Columbus, right? But if you're Dubois in this situation right now, yes, you want to go to Montreal, but realistically, like every other player in the NHL, you want to maximize the amount of money that you make. You're not going to be doing that by sitting out a ton of games this regular season, and you're not going to be doing that by giving anything less than 100% effort in every game moving forward, regardless of the jersey that you wear. Because, look, let's face it, if you want to make $8, $9, $10 million if you're Dubois, your current production isn't pointing towards that whatsoever, right? It behooves him in every way possible to bust his ass out there, put up 70, 80 points beside Cal Connor, and maybe take the Jets on a bit of a miracle playoff run. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, there, there's too much riding on his next deal, his big, may, maybe final, long-term six, seven, eight-year contract for him to be pulling stunts like that here in Winnipeg. So I'm that, that to me, is not a worry. The worry right now is just that the Winnipeg Jets do the right thing. If you don't get the right offer right now, there's no shame in waiting until, at the very earliest, in my opinion, this upcoming trade deadline where you could still get a massive, massive haul for a guy that can deliver a couple of postseason runs to a contending team. Tyler Toffoli brought in a pretty damn good trade package from the Calgary Flames. And I think it's fair to say that Dubois holds a lot more value around the league than a guy like Tyler Toffoli. I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to do just fine when it comes to a return on a Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. Be a little more concerned if that trade happened in the next couple of days. But if it comes to it that you wait until the end of next year, totally fine with that. It's just the main the main part right now is making it clear to Dubois, Brisson, his camp, and the rest of the NHL that, hey, while we may not be the most desirable location, we're not going to get pushed around in this. And that, that's the main thing. And I think the Jets are going to be pretty successful in finding a way to make that happen. Now... We should take a look at some other potential locations where Pierre-Luc Dubois could be going to if the Jets are compelled to make a move sometime in the near future, as well as really the main takeaway from all this, which is how does Winnipeg avoid having this happen time and time again? Is there a path for the Winnipeg Jets to make this city a desirable location in the NHL? We'll get to all that in just a sec. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook where the action never ends, especially in the summer, with a monster deal up for grabs for you. Remember, you can throw down action on any of the major sports, baseball, golf, MMA, a whole bunch more, eventually hockey, football, basketball in a couple months time. And if you want to win a little bit of money as well, well, the Blue Jays are in Seattle. They're home away from home in uh, the major leagues. And 
Nothing wrong with uh, tossing a little moolah on the Blue Jays to pick up some wins this weekend, Friday, Saturday, late night. I'm kind of liking the idea of that one, and you can take advantage with this big, big offer from DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So, if it's not Montreal, which I really hope it isn't at this point, to be quite honest. I I, I don't want to see, after the stunts that have been pulled by the, I mean, just the, the brazenness of what Pat Brisson and Pierre-Luc Dubois are doing right now. Don't want to see him go to Montreal. If it's not Montreal then where could the Winnipeg Jets potentially send Pierre-Luc Dubois? Either right now, at the trade deadline, or maybe going into the start of next season with just one year left on his deal. I mean, there's a lot of options. To be quite honest, it's it's kind of easy for me to figure out some potential locations because we kind of went through this with the Mark Shifley situation and, and the trade talk there with 55 a little a little while back. To me, it's the exact same amount of teams that would have been in on Mark Shifley that would now be in on a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't think the list changes all that much. To me, it's the usual suspects of, like we mentioned before, the Carolina Hurricanes, the LA Kings, the New York Rangers. Maybe you see a surprise team or two come out of the blue and, and make a push for a guy... For a couple of playoff runs if it's done at this upcoming trade deadline. But to me, those would be the most logical and desirable locations to send somebody like Pierre-Luc Dubois. Again, Carolina makes a lot of sense for me in this. You know, they're clearly pushing all their chips into the middle right now. It's a little tough with the salary cap situation. You'd have to send a, a decent amount back to the Winnipeg Jets here. But a guy like Martin Netcash wouldn't be... Too bad of a package to be centered around there if you think he might be able to explode for 60, 70 points sometime soon and, and do so at a pretty relatively cheap salary. I think Carolina makes a ton of sense. LA as well. And and really, you know, any team that we mention here, it, it's, and again, I know he said Montreal this, Montreal that, but this isn't like acquiring a 34-year-old centerman with two years left on his deal. Like, you're talking about a young player that you would assume is about to step into his prime this upcoming season. Like, there is a ton of value to be had, even if it is just for two seasons, mind you, to have a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois on your roster as you try to contend for a Stanley Cup. But, you know, having said all that, too, just because he said right now that he wants to go to Montreal doesn't mean that it's set in stone that he's going to be there in two years. For example, one of the three teams I mentioned, well, we could even throw both these teams into here. Carolina's not in the same boat as these two teams. But if you're the LA Kings, or if you're the New York Rangers here, although the Rangers with Trocek, it, it probably doesn't work as well as it would have a few months ago. But just bear with me on this. Maybe more so to the Kings, I guess. If you're the LA Kings... Could you not envision a scenario where you trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois at some point this year? He gets to play a year and a half, two years in California with the palm trees and the nice weather 
and the celebrities and this and that and that, wouldn't you feel pretty confident that you could change his mind that, hey, maybe L.A. isn't too bad of a place to to set up roots, sign a seven-year deal, and play out the majority of my career there? You know what I mean? Like, just... Just because a guy has said something right now doesn't mean that it's locked in stone and, and going to be the only path that he takes moving forward here. Like, I, I can certainly see a few locations across the NHL that Dubois could go to in a trade. He ends up liking it. Maybe likes the dudes in the locker room too. And hey, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to sign here long term. And it's not just Montreal or bust for me anymore. That's why I do feel like Winnipeg still has a decent amount of leverage in all this. You can get a guy like Dubois for two playoff runs potentially, and it doesn't mean that you're precluded from signing him to a long-term deal. And you would also be the only team in that situation that could give him an eight-year contract extension. So I think it's important to keep that in mind too here, that if the Jets are able to trade him, Kevin Shevelyev could sell that club on the fact that, look, you've got a ton of time here to convince Pierre-Luc Dubois to sign long-term with your organization. This isn't potentially just a one- or a two-year deal. It wouldn't be one of those contracts where, or one of those trades where it's a sign-in trade. I get that. But you still have some ample time to convince the cat that this is where you want to be and not Montreal. So I do feel like the Jets are at a pretty pretty solid negotiating point here. Like their, their, their leverage is a little bit higher than a lot of people might initially suggest and it's honestly why I think there's a lot of similarities to the Matt Duchesne trade as well the Jets are not forced to make a move here they can do it however they please and until you meet the asking price there really is no need to move somebody like that right now especially when you take into account the fact that (laughs) the ripple effects of a deal right like moving Dubois for futures probably means Connor Hellebuck wants out and if you're trading Connor Hellebuck, then would you not be trading Mark Shifley and so on and so right? So like there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration here. And I can understand, even from Chevy's point of view, that hey, maybe the Jets make a couple moves this offseason and, and find a way to fortify the forward group. And you take a run of the postseason with Dubois on the fold this year and, and see what happens, right? You're not expecting him to sign long term here in Winnipeg. But I can envision a scenario where Hey, maybe the Jets go to the second round of the postseason. Dubois has a big playoff run, and the Jets can parlay that into a big trade package the upcoming offseason in 12 months from now, right? Like, so there's a lot of things to navigate through if you're Kevin Chevalier off here. The main thing, again, that we keep coming back to, no rush to make a deal just for the sake of making a deal. Now, maybe the most intriguing part of this whole discussion, and it's something that's kind of gone... A little bit under the radar because it's mostly been an anger, rage, hatred-filled vitriol thrown towards PLD in his camp right now. But there is a problem that the Winnipeg Jets are going to have to try to to solve and or at the very least limit moving forward. And that's just how in the smallest market in a less than desirable location in the NHL, how do you convince guys to stay here, right? Like, how do you convince players to avoid demanding trade requests every single summer and make this a place that people actually want to come to and join your franchise and play and sign long-term deals, et cetera, et cetera? It really is maybe the 
the most, what's the right word here? It's the most impactful thing that the Jets could figure out as they go through this whole saga right now. And it's interesting because there are examples of how to deal with this in other sports. You know, I'm a big soccer guy, and right now there's the whole transfer market that's going on. Players can sign wherever they want, this and that. Manchester City right now, arguably the model franchise in in soccer, maybe in all of sports right now, they win year after year after year. You know, interestingly enough, they have a, a very clear policy that if players want out, they have no problem meeting those demands and they only want players that want to play in Manchester City. If you want out, no matter your stature, then we will find a way to make that work. We don't want guys that don't want to be here. It's essentially what Man City is throwing out there as their mantra in terms of trying to build a cohesive and successful team unit. And I certainly understand and appreciate that point of view. The problem is, again, it's it's not totally applicable to the Winnipeg Jets situation in that while viscerally and initially, I think that concept can hold a lot of appeal to a lot of fans here in the city, you can't necessarily go down that road because any decent player that comes here knows that, hey, I'm just one request from having one of my feet out the door and, and going to basically wherever I want to go. It's it's not that easy for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, also in, in soccer, it's Man, Man City is loaded. Their bench is better than 99% of the teams out there. They can afford to let a couple guys go here or there knowing that they're going to be well-stocked and just fine. That That is an option, though, where, hey, if you want out, we will find a way to make that work because we're going to only have people that want to be here long-term. That's the only group of players that we want to look out for. But there is one small market team in North American sports that can at the very least provide a bit of a template for how the Winnipeg Jets can be a bit of an attractive destination. And that, to me, is the Green Bay Packers. You know, a lot of people really forget that, I believe at least, that Green Bay is small as hell, in the middle of nowhere, not a whole lot going for it destination-wise. Did I mention cold as hell? It's cold as hell there, yet... It's been, what, at the very least 30 years now that they have been a competitive, successful franchise that convinces players time and time again that this is where you should sign, as opposed to the California-based NFL teams, the Florida-based NFL teams, the New York-based NFL teams, etc., etc. So how do the Green Bay Packers go about doing that? And for me, it's simple. And the answer isn't have Aaron Rodgers on your team, although that would desperately help to have somebody like that. But how did they get Aaron Rodgers? The Packers draft their asses off year after year after year, right? And part of that is plucking a Hall of Famer at, you know, 23 overall, whatever it was they drafted Aaron Rodgers, you know, basically two decades ago, right? Sure, they haven't drafted a receiver in the first round in forever, but <laughs> Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, all these second-round receivers that they've been able to supplement Rodgers with over the last several years. I, I mean, the list goes on and on and on with the Packers. They've proven that draft and develop 
is the most consistent, easiest way to build out a franchise and keep it successful regardless of where in the world your city is located. It's it's boring. It's not splashy. But in all reality, if, if you're Winnipeg, the only way you could do that is by essentially forcing players to play in the city. You know what I mean? Like if you draft a guy, in theory, you've got seven years of control over them. That That's the bread and butter for the Winnipeg Jets. And it's doing that until you become a winning and by winning, I don't just mean make a cup run once every 10 years, right? Like, it, it's consistently deep playoff trips year after year after year. And realistically, having a championship to add to that total. that That's the only way you're going to be able to attract outside talent to come here in Winnipeg. By being a consistently strong winning team. I mean, Pitts, Pittsburgh sucks ass as, as far as a city. But players want to go there time and time again because they've been able to draft superstar-level talent. And once those players are in place, once the winning culture is established, they supplement that with the missing pieces. And that's really, it is unfortunate that that's kind of the only way for the Winnipeg Jets. But really, it's the only way that they're going to be able to sustain this long term. Now, it kind of sounds... If you're listening to that, that, that would be maybe going more towards the rebuild route if you're the Winnipeg Jets at this point with the trajectory of the current group that they have. And I'm, I'm probably leaning more towards that with each and every day, especially with this upcoming draft class looking to be as insanely strong as it is, especially up there at the top. But I feel like the Jets have a pretty damn good track record of once somebody is a part of the organization, they don't want to leave anytime soon. Right? Like, I, I know there's been a list of players that have wanted out, but there is an even longer list of draft picks with this team that have spent a large chunk and signed second or third contracts with this club. Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, Mark Shifley, despite what's going on right now. Mark Shifley, Josh Morrissey, Connor Hellebuck. That's a lot of that's a lot of first round picks. That's a lot of high end talent that weren't just looking to head out the door the first chance they got. We're talking about guys that have signed five, six, seven-year contracts with the team. They, they've proven that they can get it done, but really the only way they're going to be able to attract that high-level talent is by picking those guys and finding those gems through the NHL draft. You can certainly make trades along the way, but that has got to be the basis for the Winnipeg Jets moving forward here. And you know what? Maybe the silver lining in all of this is that with Pierre-Luc Dubois trying to force his way out, with Blake Wheeler potentially out the door, depending on who you talk to, maybe already offered a trade by a certain team, and maybe he used his power to say no, right? But maybe Wheeler is out the door soon. Maybe that leads to a Shafley and, and a few other dominoes to fall after that. Maybe the silver lining in this Dubois situation is it puts the Winnipeg Jets, sure, in a tough spot for this upcoming year, but it could set them up for some big, big-time success and another sustained run of excellence in the future if they bite the bullet in the here and now. We'll see where that goes. It's pretty obvious that, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff has not shown any inclination so far with his comments that a rebuild is in the offing, but you got to play the hand that you're dealt sometimes, and 
Maybe the Winnipeg Jets look at the situation here and just face the cold, harsh reality that maybe sucking hard for Bedard might be the best way to go about having long playoff run after long playoff run after long playoff run. Well, we'll see where this all plays out here. I, I would just like to get some resolution on, on some of the moves by the Winnipeg Jets sometime soon. Just don't necessarily expect an answer on Pierre-Luc Dubois by the time we step back into the booth for another episode later on this week. But that's where we'll end this one here today. Thank you guys so much for stopping by and listening once again. Like I mentioned, we'll be back at it at the end of the week, closing out the week on Friday morning. And what will we be talking about? Well, who knows? Maybe a big trade or two could be on the way for the Winnipeg Jets, and we'll see what else is going around the rest of the NHL. But until then, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll get back at it on Friday morning. Until then, though, enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe, everybody. Peace.